Thanks everybody for coming. I'm Alna Comley. I uh, am co-editor of Route 40. Today we're going to be talking about the hospitality industry in Atlantic City um, and we're going to be talking specifically about uh, this idea of hospitality included um, and whether uh, or not it can help uh, encourage talent in the... Uh... That's the ice machine. <laughs> that is the ice machine. Whether, whether hospitality in included or some kind of system that splits tips between the front and back of a restaurant, um, whether that could help encourage talent uh, in the kitchen. Um, so that's me, Christian. Oh, hey, uh, my name is Christian Correa. Um, I am a, I'm born and raised in the area. I've been in the business for a long time, uh, and I've had the opportunity to work not only in New Jersey, but in California for a couple of years. Florida for a couple of years, um, so you can see you know subtle differences between the different areas, um, not only styles of service and business, but also pay rates, things like that. I'm Michael Brennan. I'm the chef and co-owner here at Cardinal Bistro. Um, I've been in this industry for probably about seven or eight years now. Um, we've been at this spot for just a little over a year, uh, working in different places like Philadelphia, New York. Charleston, Georgia, and now here in Atlantic City. My name is Mike Fagan. I have a video series called uh, Waiter Nation. I'm the host and creator. I'm a professional waiter. I have been for about 25 years. I've worked in casinos, uh, union houses, non-union houses, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. Most of my career has been spent here in Atlantic City. All right. Um, so this all got started with a Facebook post. <laughs> like most things do nowadays. <laughs> right, the Michael Brennan made. Anyway, um, Michael was asking whether a hospitality included system could work in Atlantic City. Um, and some people replied, like me, that they didn't actually know what a hospitality included system is. So let's start there and then go on. So hospitality included was a system put together through Danny Meyer's hospitality. Actually, it's this ideology that can even be traced past that. There were restaurants that were doing this way before uh, Danny Meyer's. He just brought it to a new marketing level and pretty much to a new scheme, if you will, where when a guest comes in to your restaurant and your establishment, they do not leave a tip. It's already included in the menu. It's included in the price. And through that... Danny Myers and you know his conglomerate, his team, devised a way that they would be able to kind of close in this wage gap in between what was happening in the front of house and the back of house, being able to retain uh, employees that they liked and really start promoting, okay, you know, this isn't just a part-time job. This isn't somebody just making money on the weekends. Uh, this is a career path. As you do with you know any type of career that you need a degree for, that's kind of where he wanted to bring that and where he wanted to take that. Right. And as we've been talking about a little bit uh, before I started recording, um, there have obviously been a lot of complications with this uh, plan um, that Danny Myers launched in New York. Um, there's been some legal issues, but still uh, the Facebook post that kind of prompted this was uh, could such a system or something like this system work in Atlantic City? Well, my first thought always when, when we bring this up is that, uh, you, you know, share tips for everybody in the restaurant. Uh, well, it's two skill sets. It's two different jobs. They, they really almost have nothing to do with each other. You, you know, you have the personality in the front. You have the talent in the back. And I always say, and it seems to offend people, that there's as much talent on the dining room floor as there is in any kitchen. And I get a lot of pushback from chefs, and they say, oh, well, why do you put us down? And I say, I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just saying there's a lot of talent on the floor. So to me, that would be like a real estate agent giving some of his commission to the roofer. You, you know, well, we got to pay everybody the same. You know, the roofer, he's kicking, he, you know, he's working hard. You guys make your 5%. They don't, you, you know or a running back making the same as a lineman. That's, that's why it seems to me. Surprisingly enough, I think it might work in some restaurants. And if you went in and you know your compensation ahead of time, and you agree, then you say, that's great. You, you know, if you're gonna pay me a, a, an hour or a salary, then, then that's great, and it might work. But in every profession, talent goes where the most reward is. 
So if you're talented in the kitchen, you're going to be rewarded. If you're talented on the floor, you're going to be rewarded. So if you go in, myself, if I go into a restaurant and they say, hey, you know, we pay $14 an hour to all our waiters. Thank you so much. I'm going to pass. You know, that's not enough compensation for my level. It might be for somebody else and it might work and it might work for restaurants in a good way, you know. But I can't see how you can take the 20%, jack up all the restaurant prices 20%, and pay more people and say everybody's making more money. There's more people in the pool, so somebody's making less. So you've had some experience, right, in places where they have had some element of hospitality included? I had, I worked for a restaurant group in Los Angeles. Uh, it was a spout group. Uh, gentleman named Bill Shape um, was one of the owners and he had a few restaurants but there was other groups already doing it in San Francisco and it wasn't about hospitality now it wasn't about pay so what they were doing was a few restaurants out that way they were adding a um, a surcharge a percent 3% whatever to each check it was usually around 3% and what that did was that went to provide health care for all of the employees front and back of house um, I don't know why it came up or what the reason for it, why healthcare became like this important issue, but I do know that there was this, on each bill there was a 3% health surcharge. And what it did was it provided, you know, we got healthcare. I think it became free or like we paid a lot less than I would under any like other healthcare plan. And how did that work in practice? Were there kind of it, rumblings of dissatisfaction? <laughs> I mean, it worked great in the sense of uh, 3%, but what, what, what it didn't work was... I think similar, I'm not sure if it was happy with Danny Myers, where there was grumblings of, oh, you're pulling in a lot more money than you're paying out to healthcare, was one of the things. And when it came just to individual guests, some guests were like, yes, that's great. We're so glad. I'm happy to pay 3% um, so you can provide healthcare to all your employees. And other people would see it like they would normally see it, which is, oh, this is a tax. We're paying. So if we had to back it up real quick. Tipping itself to me and the issue I have it, even though I make my living off it, I would love to see it not exist. Because you're essentially asking everyone that goes out to dinner to now pay the salaries of all the servers. And it's become a norm, and I don't think it's a healthy norm, which is like, hey, whenever you go out to eat, whether you spend $80 or $800, you're going to throw another 20% on. You know, it's it's gratuity if you want to, but most people pay it, and most people um, do it, and... It's not about service anymore. It's the norm. It's just what you do. And if you don't do that, servers in the area make $2 an hour. And I think that's an important thing to bring up is, like, people don't realize how little... I don't know why it's a rule in some states and not other states, but it's... Here it's two thirteen, two sixteen an hour. Two thirteen an hour. So been two thirteen for, for since years. I was since I was eighteen years old, and I uh, thirty seven now. So if you're a server in a restaurant, if you're a tipped employee, you make two dollars and thirteen cents an hour, um, and that's legal to do because they put your tips against it, legal, like it, through the government. Um, so what happens is if it never happens because everyone pays it like like robot sheep. But if nobody decided to tip me tonight, I would make $2 an hour. And then I guess my restaurant's supposed to put in the extra $4, $5, but that never happens. They never have to put in any money. Um, so back to your initial question, which is um, some people were cool with it. Some people were like, oh, why do I have to pay more of your stuff? Why don't you provide health care to your employees, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I see both sides of it. I see a restaurant owner's side of like, the more money we got to put out, the smaller the margins are, which are already tiny, we'll be bankrupt. Um, so I thought it was a cool, creative solution, but it, you know, it went both ways. Um, so, Michael, I guess you kind of come up with this from both the business perspective and also the chef perspective. So I'm interested in what you think would be a best case scenario. Ultimately, I think. Being able to, you know, being a business and being able to pay your employees more and a more responsible wage is the end game. You know, we we here like to pay a little bit more than minimum wage or, you know, kind of give everybody a reason to want to come here and want to work here and want to learn here. But from the business perspective as well, you know, the more things you add on to a check, doesn't necessarily mean the more money a restaurant's going to make. If you add a three uh, percent, you know, surcharge for healthcare, 
you're still paying 2.75% for the credit card processing fees. You're paying sales tax on that. You're also paying, you know, I don't know how it was constructed on the check, but you may also be paying taxes on that 3%. So realistically, when it comes down to it, if you're someone spends a hundred dollars and that three percent is added on, it, pennies are going towards the actual healthcare. But it's it's a great idea. But when I originally posed this question, I wanted to find a way that would kind of, you know, give people who have been working in this industry and, you know kind of a way to want to jump into it. If I if I went to culinary school down here and I saw restaurants were paying, you know, $10 an hour as a line cook, I may have not wanted to stay around here. I may have viewed that as kind of a deterrent to want to go to a bigger city to be able to learn more in a bigger restaurant where I was going to be able to make a little bit more money. And through that, I think, you know, that can drive competition. That can breed this inspiration for success where, all right, well, I have an interest in cooking and I now see this as a viable career path. I want to pursue that because I know at the end of the day, I can make a living off of it. I don't have to work two jobs and I can be able to, you know, support myself, support my family or whatever it be. And also work in an establishment where I'm going to learn something. When it comes to the front of house, I was also a server. I was a server for you know three years up in Philadelphia, and what I learned from that was you make way over what you should. But now that I cook, I also see the servers as being the kind of the frontiers of the restaurant. We don't exist if they don't exist. We can be back there all day slaving and cooking. But ultimately, these are the spokespersons. These are the salespersons. They represent your brand, whether it's a restaurant, whether a chain, whether whatever. <laughs> um, and they're the guys who ultimately end up making you the money. You could have one person running around, touching all the tables, but these are guys schmoozing, selling, upselling, doing different things like that. So I absolutely believe that every server makes every penny that they're worth. And same thing with cooks. Do I believe it can be a little bit more lucrative? Absolutely. But rather than taking away from servers and taking away from business owners, how do we make, how do we build this industry for its workers? Mm -hmm. So that's really, you know, whether it's hospitality included or whether it's a different program, you know, geared more towards the region, uh, the demographic, the clientele, uh, how do we do that around here? Do you have any thoughts? Have, have any of you worked at places where they have tried anything other than the, the three percent that you mentioned? I've been a part of point systems, mm -hmm. and from there, that kind of What's you know. Point so when I was working at Lebec Fen, we started on a ten point system. Mm -hmm. Ten was a captain; that was the highest earner. Whatever tips or gratuities were pulled in the house that day, you know, whether you're ten points, whatever the shift was, it added up to a certain amount of points, and the gratuities were divided by that points and one point was worth a certain dollar amount. One uh, point equals about 5%. Exactly. Yeah. So if a bus person gets three points, they're making about 15% of sure. the, the tip pool. Yeah. yeah. With, with tips, I mean, everybody's been after the 20% for years, right? There's, uh, there's pull houses where everybody just dumps the money and everybody walks out equal money. There's a uh, team service. There's, you, you tip the hostesses, you tip, the people upstairs who book parties, they get a certain percentage. You tip uh, the bus people, the assistant servers, the back waiters, the front waiters. You, you know, everybody's after it. There's a thing called withholding tips where restaurants, big, big name, huge name restaurants, withholding tips, you know, and they have law settlements, $5 million, $8 million, um, and they, they withhold the tips. <laughs> you know, in if I withhold revenue, it's called stealing. But that's another thing, you know, they, they think up a nice name. Well, we... We made a little accounting area error, but it takes years to get back. And how hard is it to fight for this? You, you know, hey, my check was wrong. Hey, uh, no, it wasn't. I've ran into that. My check was wrong two weeks ago. It was not. We don't make mistakes. You know, so how hard is it to sue your employer? And then, especially if well, your employer a, is a giant tip. name. <laughs> and that's if your tips go through, like they have to go through the employer and come back to you versus just splitting it up between. Or if you're making $2 an hour and they say before you leave, you have to uh, mop down the floors clean the windows, and uh, go back and cut 100 lemons for tomorrow because 
that's minimum wage work. That is not, you know, front of house work. That's not the, what you get paid $2 an hour for. And, and it varies in, in every way. So those are some of the, the issues. Another thing is that many restaurants that I'm familiar with that I've worked at, there's such thing called a tip rate. Um, I take home tips at the end of the night. And nobody can actually prove what's in my pocket. But IRS will go in, do all the numbers, and say, if you claim this amount every single hour, we'll not, we will not audit you. And the rooms that I'm familiar with, a low room is $30 an hour. The highest room that I know of is $58 an hour. So there's waiters making $58 an hour. Apparently, you know, that's what the IRS says. And that is when you're wiping down your station in the beginning of the day when you're not making tips. So they're saying that in this restaurant, based on revenue and amount of people on the floor, a waiter's making $58 an hour, low 30, 25, you, you know, I wouldn't work in a room that uh, has a tip of under 25, 30. And um, so it's a lot of money out there. So th there must be talent. And what would you feel about, uh, I mean, we've talked about how there are lots of people that want in on the tip pile. Yeah, everybody wants that 20%. <laughs> right. It's a magic number. Right? Well, what do you feel about the people who are uh, sweating in the kitchen? Well, I think this. I think in small restaurants, that's why I said it might work, it, you know, and it and it really might. You have a guy like Danny Myers who spearheads this whole thing, you know, a multimillionaire killing it for the last 20 years, right? And he's saying the disparity between wages earned in the, on the front of the house versus back of the house, what's the disparity between the owner and the workers? You know, instead of making so many millions, could you make a million less and everybody get paid more? I mean, but everybody says, yeah. What really upset me was everybody was like, yeah, why do they deserve so much money in the front of the house? And I thought, well, wait a minute, what do you, why is it my fault? <laughs> you know, I, I believe one thing too, that, uh, and not in all cases, but in a general statement that you choose the restaurant for the food, you choose to go back for how you were treated. You know, if somebody's, if the food is off, and, and I've worked in a lot of, 13 different restaurants, you know, for a lot of years. And if the food is off and it happens, there's always mistakes, right? But you can recover. And if you're able to recover and treat people nice, they'll come back. But if you treat people poorly, they'll never come back. If they say, you know what? That person at the door, they're snobs, you, you know? They made me wait there. They set other people before me. If they feel slighted, they won't go back. Everybody, it's a special night. It's one of the true pleasures in life to go out and have a nice dinner. I believe that for all of us. Whether you go out as a chef, you, you know, you enjoy yourself. We might all have different experience, but it's great. And if we feel slighted, we won't go back. So that... I want to just jump on that point because one of the things when I uh, kind of mentioned on the social media that we were going to have this conversation, one of the first questions that I got was, oh, can you ask all of these experts uh, what they think about why the Atlantic City area gets such a bad reputation in terms of actual actually being welcoming? There, are, you know, It seems like Atlantic City uh, and the wider AC area is constantly being kind of scored as like, the least welcoming friendly, city, at least friendly, at least, you know, the place that you wouldn't go back to. Um, what do you think, Michael? I mean, we're a city built on, you know, pretty much corruption. I mean, if you look at it, the first casino wasn't legal. You have the 500 Club, which then revolutionized gaming and, you know, led to the inception of the Gaming Casino Commission and different things like this and putting in these different operations here, which is technically how our city was built up and developed but i mean as far as welcoming that's just it's just not true if you look at it we're we're a city built on hospitality we're a resort town obviously i don't know what percentage of it is but a majority of us make our living off of being hospitable so i don't know because it's definitely it, it's definitely there. There is definitely that connotation that you know it's a little standoffish. But when you look at it, I'd much rather be in Atlantic City than Philadelphia or New York because you know I feel comfortable there. And it, I don't know. I, I just how do you sway people from that? Well, I, I have a couple. I mean, my question about that. I've seen stuff like that. And, and my my first question is, you know, when you say least friendly, who are you judging the friendliness by? Are you judging it by the, the service workers? Are you judging it by the hotel workers? Are you judging it by the bus driver? Is it the people you meet on the street? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's if, enormously if, if it's, subjective. If I'm walking down the street and somebody you know, gives me a dirty look, is that it? Because, and the reason I ask is, 
you know, we're a resort town, so you got people in here, you know, having party, not spending money, bachelorette parties, while a lot of people live here are making, you know, $27,000 average, but income, family, median income, mm -hmm. something not. So maybe walking around and watching other people have the time of their lives while you're scraping by, maybe you're not in the best mood. But also, like, when you talk about the hospitality stuff, um, when you talk about the industry and, and, and the service, I don't, I don't, you know, I can go into any bar and any restaurant in any city, and you might get the nicest guy and the crappiest guy. Um, I, uh, I don't know if it's the union thing and people are comfy and they don't feel like they need to. People say that. I don't know if that's a thing. I have, I've been gone for 12 years. Um, but I don't know if it's just the general East Coast surliness. I don't know all the factors, but... I, I mean, I personally have never gone to a restaurant or an establishment down here and never had, like, ever had that unwelcoming feeling. Like, I may have gone to a restaurant and I enjoyed it as much as I could have, but, I mean, the service was still friendly, you know, uh, maybe there was a couple of hiccups or whatever, but, I mean, it's still a very welcoming atmosphere. Mm. I guess you can kind of take it as, like... Well, that's why I ask why, like, what is the yeah, what exactly. is the gauge from? What does the unfriendliness come from? But I guess you could kind of gauge it as the perception of our city. I mean, our tourism district has a needle and drug exchange, you know? Maybe people view that as, like, oh, drugs are bad. Maybe it's not as friendly as it could be. So maybe the city isn't what it should be. I think that, um, like, speaking from the customer perspective and having recently come back from Vegas, I do feel like... There is this idea that sometimes feeds through into reality, which is that the Atlantic City ca uh, casinos don't have to work for customers in the same way that the Vegas casinos are constantly competing and constantly trying to make sure that they're the best. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't agree. And, and I hear what you're saying about the town and, and different aspects about the town. But once you walk into any restaurant, whether it's small, and most everybody here got their training in, in casinos in one way or another. And I can tell you, I've worked in a bunch of casinos. The training is ongoing always. And the emphasis on, is anybody complaining? They want zero complaints ever. They want zero people to be just, they want to wow. And the training is, is there. I would put the people in Atlantic City, the professionals, the hospitality industry, up against anybody in the country. And I believe we'd win. I believe we're better than New York. I've worked with a bunch of people from New York, New York restaurants, they come down. And they have no respect for Atlantic City, you know. And we crush numbers that New York restaurants do, you know. And I'm I'm real proud to be part of the hospitality industry here, and uh, I believe we're the best, on honestly. Now maybe the city, maybe walking on the boardwalk, you know, somebody gives you the finger. I don't know about that. You well, know, that's once you <laughs> right, that's just Jersey. But once you step in, whether it's a small restaurant like yours, Michael, and w whether it's a big casino, I know how hard everybody works behind the scenes. On education and you know hospitality. Okay, so I want to come back to another point that you made uh, mm. just a little bit ago about how. What about the owners? Why don't the owners take more responsibility well, for fair pay? I wanted to go into that go, before you went to Atlantic City because yeah, you were talking about you know you know the people come back for the service and like I have no as a server I have no real urge to defend what I do. What I really want to focus on is why this issue always goes to us fighting over the 20% scraps, which are voluntarily given by random people. Do you know what I mean? It's like, why does it come down to what are you guys going to do with this money that people voluntarily give? What if everyone just decided to stop giving us money? Do you know what I mean? Like, what if tipping just ended? People go, what are we doing? Why are we giving them money? Why don't people pay them more money? Um, and that's the real thing I think we need to address, which is, why does it come down to it's not an it's not a, it's it's not based on the industry it's based on the whims of customers unfortunately i think that's just how the restaurant industry in the united states was set up i mean if you there is no tipping in you know other countries like well, so, I'm, so i'm aware of that and I, I worked for australians for the last six years mm -hmm. and in australia they make like 27 an hour and people go i can pay 27 my food costs will go well well they do it I worked in LA. We made eleven dollars an hour. My food costs will go up. We didn't charge much more than, than you do here, than people do at places. So I'm like, what's the difference? Is it taxes? It's doable if you're willing to wrap your mind around the fact that it's doable. It, but as an owner, I would love to hear from you. Well, I mean, he can jump in over there. <laughs> um, but you look at it this way: every single year, food costs goes up mm -hmm. in X percent. Mm -hmm. We're at historic highs for food costs in, you know, 
the fact that we're paying for uh, transportation, we're paying for uh, safety plans, we're paying for other people's wages. So when you look at it, like the restaurant commits X percent to paying your labor and your costs. Other X percent is going to paying your food costs, your insurances, your overhead, your liabilities, uh, your rent, your, you know, whatever it is. So when it comes down to the owner, a fraction of that fraction of a percent is what can actually go into that owner's pocket. So if it, if it's one of the, and that's, you know, that's coming from a small, verily, or a very seasonal restaurant. So when you start to get into bigger restaurants, when you start to get into chains or restaurant um, uh, groups, then it comes a little different because you have stockholders, you have people with invested interests in it, and in those people who work for those companies. I would love to personally be able to pay my cooks and my servers and everybody who works at this restaurant the wage that they're, you know, more. <laughs> Ultimately, I don't want to say deserving because these guys, you know, they bust their butt every single day and, you know, we do what we can for them. Yeah, what you're talking about, I think, would change the whole dynamics. Right? Well, like some restaurants could do it, mm-hmm. and then some restaurants couldn't. And I, I'm not sure. I don't want to be personal, but a small restaurant like this, you're very, you have a really cool niche going on, mm-hmm. and probably you couldn't do that. You, you know, it would just make your cost be exorbitant. You, you know, whereas the guy down the street, at steakhouse, he's got 50 or 60 other ones in the country. Mm-hmm. He just crush it, yeah. and that's not fair. That would change everything. You, you know, so all the that's why I say like this hospitality included might work in some restaurants and everybody has to figure that out. The owners do, the people that work there do. And, uh, and right. Unfortunately, I think, and I'm just throwing this out there though, one, if not one of the many obstacles that something like that would impose or would face would be the unions that we have in Atlantic city. I think that's going to be a huge obstacle. Um, plus, other things you have the luxury taxes you have different things like that so realistically union waiters or union like restaurant workers i mean everybody yeah yeah if there's a job available they want someone to do it and somebody to be paid for that job so you know taking away that huge variable of like if i get a high roller in and they have a 200 dollars check and they want to leave me you know 200 dollars on that check you're taking that away from somebody by selling like okay no tips. And then you're going, it's going to run into a lot of problems. That's why when we said hospitality included, you know, that's a system. That's an ideology. So but what's what, something to fill that in? But that's why it excites me because we talk about thing. that's how the restaurant industry was built. That's how it was, which is true. But what I'm saying is there are every other industry. There's not like a couple. Of, there's every other industry essentially that doesn't rely on that system. And they function. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is I'm, I'm intrigued about the idea of saying, let's say waiters don't get tips anymore. And then as a waiter, you got to go, well, do I still want to do this? Maybe I do something else instead. What does a restaurant look like when, like, what does a restaurant look like when, and does um, everybody have to do that at the same time? Like, does, does, you know, the president have to wake up one day and be like, you there was a news article. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the problem, but... too. Let's say all waiters get $20 an hour, just mm-hmm. as an arbitrary right, right? And right now they get two. So right now you have 17 waiters on the floor on a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Well, now at 4 o'clock you're only going to bring in one, and he's going to do everything. And you're going to bring in 17 at 7.30. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as 9.30 comes along, because payroll is what you're watching as an owner, as soon as 9.30 comes along, you're going to let 15 go, and now there's two on the floor. So the attention to customers is definitely going to stop because you're not going to have the freedom to say, you know, I have eight guys on the floor. It's costing me $15 an hour versus I have one guy on the floor costing me $15 an hour. So, you know, if you get busy, if you get, you know, and, you know, and I think one thing too, waiters, we're our own worst enemy. Everything online is negative. You know, I, I ran around and got 10 Diet Cokes for this party. F them. You, you know, and I think that's awful. That's why what I do is always, I never talk about money, tips. I always just talk about the positive and being professionals. And I, I go back to chefs 
you know, I never hear Bobby Flay or Emerald complain about going to... I'm sure your days are long and you have a lot to complain about. But I hear you, Michael, talking about your passion. Mm-hmm. And that really pushes you forward and has everybody respect you. And that's, you know, waiters, all we do is complain. You know, that's everything I see online is how awful it is. I mean, leading you know, to so that, I though... Oh, sorry, I mean, go ahead. I think, I think with... That, though, if you were to take a waiter and put them at $20 an hour and never changed, this industry would cripple. Because even with hospitality included, you your paycheck still is based on sales. If you're a waiter, you're getting paid $20 an hour. I, I don't want to learn about this wine. I don't want to learn about this bottle that I could try and sell. Because guess what? If I sell that, that's only going to the restaurant. I don't see any of that. If you you know if you're working off the of tips or if you're working off hospitality included, I'm gonna try and sell that Chateau Margot because that's you know what is it, seventeen hundred dollar bottle. At the end of the day, my that still goes on to my check because more in sales. I did this; it all kind of adds up. So if you take that away from people, you give them something to stop working towards. Same thing with the kitchen. The better your plates look, the more customers that are going to come back, the busier your restaurant is, the more I can get paid, the more that we everybody gets paid. So it kind of breeds this sense of like, I'm going to try and be better than I was yesterday. Because if you have, you know, a cook, if you're a cook just getting stuck making $10 an hour, you're busting your butt, maybe over the course of six months, you're going to see a little bit of a raise, like a dollar raise or something. But that's... You know, what is that over the course of time? Whereas if you are putting your heart and soul into everything, if you're tasting everything and, you know, garnishing it the way that it's proper, that's going to reflect to the guests, which then could get them to come back, which then can fill another seat on a, you know, on a Wednesday night or a Thursday night, which leads to the restaurant being busier and this whole snowball rolling effect. So revolution and change isn't something that's going to happen just, you know, like that. It's something that needs to be you know, gradual. And it's something that's, you know, going to be in intervals. It starts with this, but then it evolves into this. Yeah, and then if, these things snowball into if that. If you change tipping into commissions, which is, you know, sales-based, right? Mm-hmm. And, and right now we get a bad rap. You know, I, I ordered a bottle of wine. It was a $60 to bar. The waiter kept trying to bump me up to a buck twenty. You know, and it's like, that's just because he wants a better tip. Okay, so if you give me $10 an hour and then you say, you're not making more than $10 an hour unless you get sales, you know, now you're commission-based. And the places I've worked, and it might not be the same as everybody else, you have a check average. Say your check average is 60 bucks a head. It's basically 60 bucks a head throughout the year. There's not much more that you can do unless you get lucky one night and Chateau Margot walks in the door and, and has two bottles. Mm-hmm. And now you had a great night. But really, I mean, all you're pushing, and you know, at the end of the year going to be at 60 bucks so is 17 other waiters about you, you know I, I remember one uh, room i was the highest sales my and it was two dollars above <laughs> everybody else it, it was two dollars which was like celebrated but it was just you, you know i was just two dollars above everybody else it wasn't like i was doing a hundred dollars and everybody else was doing 60 it, you know it, there was nothing like that and there are naturally better salesmen some people will come in but it's still very little you know they, they always have the highest check. You, you know, yeah, there's a 67, everybody else is 62. But I, I feel like we're generally in agreement that some kind of way of being flexible and fair, you know, some kind of fair pay system for kitchen yeah, and so, front so, so. office. But um, I, what I'm wondering is, like, I feel like that's easier to do when you're the chef, owner, and it's a small, small business. It's probably much harder for a casino that has thousands of employees to figure out how to rejigger its entire payroll to kind of better reflect the kind of work burden or the value between the kitchen and the front of house. Um, is there a problem in the Atlantic City area with the fact that the, the, there are so many large players in the hospitality industry that kind of have a dominant influence over salaries. You're newer, you know, and I'm making a great name for yourself, but there are well-established restaurants in the city 
that waiters have worked there, and probably back at the house, although most of my buddies are, are front of the house guys, uh, for years, you, you know, if now, I don't want to mention any names, but, you know, I could go down the line and say, I, I know five people up the road here that have been there for the last five years mm-hmm. and in the middle of the city and there's an Italian place and there's a there's a bar and they're the same bartenders, the same waiters for a year. So their compensation, they're happy with, I would think, because that's where they're working. They're not jumping to every casino every other every other year, you, you know, so um, you could talk about how difficult it is to start if that's, you, you know, something, but... Uh, there are some really good brands that people go back to time and time again. I guess the compensation is there both front and back of the house. Absolutely. I mean, it, you have, there are so many staples and so many really amazing places to go eat around here. And this kind of ties into what you were saying about the whole unfriendly thing. You know, you, you view Atlantic City and you have these casino behemoths with these huge named chefs, whether it's, you know, Bobby Flay, Michael Simon, Michael Schulson, and all these different people. And then after you get down off that tier, you have another tier and then another tier of different restaurants, whether it be, you know, the the Keystones like Stephen Cookies or Docs or, you know, all these different places, right. Chef Follows. Right. All really, really, really great places. But how, how do you take a restaurant that's, you know, really focusing on different crafts, whether it be, you know, craft cocktails, craft beers, uh, craft food, you know, locality, different things like that, and give them a little bit of a reputation to be able to boost it up there, which is ultimately, it's like Atlantic City promoting itself. You know, you, you kind of look at it, this negative connotation. We have so many vacant casinos and, you know, shutters and places coming down next year or whatever. But how do you drive people away from that and say like, okay, like that is one side that we have, but then look at all this, you know, we, we suffered a state takeover where, you know, things going on with that kind of leaves us to the point where it's just like, all right, well, do we actually have something to invest into ourselves? That brings up this wider question, which is, you know, if we're going straight local, if we're going, you know, we got a pretty good surrounding area um, and where you can open a restaurant like this mm-hmm. and people are going to come try it and word's going to go, you know, you got a good, I've never heard a bad word about mm-hmm. this place, yeah, which is yeah, nice, good for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then it, then the, the bigger question is when you're going for, when you're launching bigger is, is, is food a destination? Will people come to Atlantic City just for a restaurant, or, or or do you need to tie into something else? Is it helpful to you for you to be become part of something bigger and a and you guys work together with other businesses or things? Or I think that's a very um, good thing to to think about. Which is how do I be the thing that somebody else says to go to? Yeah, exactly, and that that kind of leads to you know media representation down here as well look at philadelphia look at chicago look at new york you have craig laban you have pete wells you have these huge reputable names that people will you know restaurants literally will live or die off of these guys words that they put on ink and you know we we have a food columnist down here but we don't have that that breed or that culture of people who will look at this and be like okay this this is a really great write-up. Let's go look at that. Yeah. Like, we get a lot of locals into all of our establishments. But how do you drive the word of your establishment or your place, if you're, if you're a small spot like this, to be able to you know, reach out into Philadelphia or New different York or different, different markets? Yeah. Exactly. Realistically, what's good for restaurants and small businesses down here is good for Atlantic City. You know, if you... I'm just going to throw this idea out there, but, you know, John George is launching a new restaurant in Philadelphia at the new Comcast Center. Let's just say maybe he launched that in Atlantic City, outside of a casino. And he gave, you know, that opportunity for that clientele to then recognize Atlantic City as being that destination spot. I'm going to go down here because this is John George and I want to eat at his restaurant. But while I'm down here, I also see, you know... Uh, Chef Bola's Cafe mm-hmm. 2825, you know, places in the casinos that maybe they haven't been to before. Uh, and then that brings more people down here. You know, 
the best thing for a restaurant is word of mouth because then you're t- you're getting it right from the horse's mouth you someone's been there they like you they talk about it and they you know they bring two more people back so the best thing for a restaurant is to be inside a casino that has 15,000 people walking. You have a built-in clientele. You have a built-in exactly. clientele. All you got to do is peel them off the casino floor. And, and uh, they, you know, I know a lot of restaurants that say like a steakhouse in a casino versus a steakhouse on the strip or, or outside a casino. You know, their numbers are so... It's difficult. Right, but that's partly because the way the casinos have been built and designed is to prevent people from, from actually leaving, leaving right? Sure. And yeah. then, you know, are those casino customers are the ones who are giving Atlantic City the bad reputation because they're the ones who are much more picky, they're much more, you know, quick. Some of them are the high rollers who aren't paying for the food they're getting anyway, so they're, you know, very quick to kind of uh, criticize. But one one thing to think about, too, is, you know, Whose Atlantic City is this now? From whose perspective are you looking at it? Are you looking at it from the baby boomers that were coming to the casinos and going to all these different spots, playing the slot machines, earning the comps, and then going out to eat at the restaurants? Or are you looking at it from the millennial point of view where they're going out and eating at these really cool names that are down here, going to the nightclubs, enjoying themselves, getting a home ro- or a hotel room for the night? Or are you looking at it from the local perspective where we're going to, you know, these dive bars and these little spots where we know the bartender, we clap them up, you know, we talk to them and we talk about, you know, this person in high school that we knew who's doing different things so there's all these different perspectives on it it's which one are you trying to focus on and which one are you trying to idolize and capitalize on where does atlantic city see itself in five years you know if this was an interview where does it go we, we just it's funny because i just got done for the 48 blocks thing and one of the the initial questions that were like until we get this and i think this kind of ties back into the rest of think until we get this there's no point moving forward and the questions were, who is this for and what is it? Um, and what that meant is, like, who is it for is very important. Because if it's, a, if it's a festival that you want the community and the locals to get involved in and grassroots and the schools and the kids, that's one thing. If it's for people to come in and just paint murals, it's another thing. And it's the same thing with the restaurants. Like, who, who is it for and, and what is it? Um, and the cool thing about restaurants is you can – there's so many different – kinds and ethnicities and 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 levels of of income you know what i mean i've gone to some of the best places and paid next to nothing like you said you've had some of the best experiences paying next to nothing Mm -hmm. and i've had some wonderful experiences paying out the ass um so the, the the food realm is wonderful because you got so many different things it's just what in this area are you building it for or who are you building it so for? So that, that kind of brings me to my last question, which is, do you think you can build a restaurant brand around this idea of kind of conscientious management and fair or equi- some kind of equitable payment system uh, for front and back of, well, of house? To back it up, a while ago you said all of a sudden you're paying, uh, you had mentioned like if you're paying your uh, 15 waiters $20 an hour, and let's let's move that further. Okay, so you are your restaurant goes under because you can't do it anymore. My question is, what's your next restaurant? Knowing that, knowing that you want to pay your people enough, and knowing certain things, I think that's where this is coming full circle. Is how do you do it? How how do you do it? Is it a small restaurant with a skeleton crew? Is it focusing on specific things? I'm intrigued by like what the next wave of restaurant comes in. If this hospitality now thing becomes normal and it and it sends the industry into a different place. Well, I mean, different things to different restaurants, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And like I said, I think smaller restaurants. I think mm-hmm. some chain chain restaurants that have a very low check average. I think that might work because I think that uh, a lot of waiters are frustrated with their compensation. And if they knew, you know, young people coming up, maybe if you're right out of high school, maybe, you know, $12 an hour is perfect, you know, and you work there for three years mm-hmm. and you you hone your craft, just like mm-hmm. if you are a cook anywhere or you're working under a good chef or something, you hone you your craft into the culture. and then, and then you, you move forward and you say, well, that, that restaurant's different. Mm-hmm. I think just like now, all restaurants will be different. I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't see the hospitality included being the complete norm across the country as such, like in in uh, Europe, you know. And I also think it it takes power away from customers because customers feel that they have the power. You, you know, if you jack up your prices twenty percent, it's not up to them. 
You know, they have to. Right? We're, all, we're all talking about the we're all we're all yeah. talking about the initial thing of it. But to say it can't work when there's so many places it does work is not a true thing. But to say it's going to f a lot of shit up, you know what I mean? Like when it starts, a lot of people are not going to be angry. You're going to lose a lot of people. It's going to get weird, and I'm kind of okay with it getting weird for a little bit. The business plan. A restaurant yeah. will have to just say, yeah. "This is our business plan. This is how we're going to pay people. Yeah. This is how we're going to make money." You, you know, and you're and probably going to lose the people that are used the... to it. You're, you're, be a lot, you're going to lose a lot of people, and what's going to happen is, and I, I think about this a lot when you're. I also, even when you're just working in a restaurant, and let's say a new management comes in and he wants to implement a new way of doing things. And it goes against the old way. Sometimes you're going to lose all your old people, and guess what? The new people don't know any better, and that's what might end up happening if certain things happen. It's like the new people that just go, and and it's an opportunity for you as a chef and for the service staff to go. This is a great way to teach, like you said, maybe young people about hospitality, a training ground where you can service hospitality. These are life skills. What I really wanted to know is whether you think it is possible to build this into the brand of the restaurant. So I, as a customer, am choosing to go to this restaurant because I know it's a place where they pay I think, decent wages and I think they treat great, their staff well. I think it's a great marketing scheme. Um, do I believe this area as it stands right now, if a restaurant like that was to open tomorrow, could facilitate it? No, it, it would die because... You're bringing your employees on and you're paying them this wage and you as an owner are obligated to that wage. This is what you're paying for X many people that are working for you at that point. We're super seasonal, you know, this area in general, I, I'm sure you, you know, you yes. guys all face it too. Oh, I didn't know. I just moved back to the area and, <laughs> and everyone's like, I'm like, why are you guys working so much this summer? I'm at the yeah, beach and it's and like, winter hits and I was like, oh, what am I going to do? But <laughs> it, it's also one of those things too. It's like, if something like that, because, you know, right now you're operating at this kind of plateau of a scale where if a restaurant does pop up that does that, that sparks a lot of people's interest. That mm-hmm. says, you know, that's really cool. That's kind of revolutionary. Let's go there. Let's check it out. Let's see what it's about. Let's see if it's any different than those other restaurants we experienced down Bottom there. Bottom line is more people come in, keep doing it. Nobody comes in, you got to stop doing it, right? You yeah. got to adapt in every, yeah. in every business. So uh, That is the overall yeah, thing. Right. Like, yeah. Hey, he's busy, you know, and he's paying everybody good and they're doing well. Let's do it too. Or, you know what? Nobody goes back into there. The, the people that are working there, yeah. they're, they're not that talented. And, and it's, I mean... Money rules, right? But I I don't believe it's because I don't believe it's something that should be passed on to the guest either. I don't believe that they should have to pick up the, you know, the bill or the tab because a restaurateur or restaurant owner wants to have this equality package. Mm -hmm. I believe it's something where, you know, that person really needs to sit down and figure out, okay, well, this is our concept. This is what this concept in a different market or a traditional market would bring in per guest, per check, or whatever. This is what they normally charge. But how can we you know, manipulate ourselves to fit to that price point while still being able to offer our employees these great incentives and this fair wage and uh, all these different things? And realistically, I mean, with the way that our country is developing and our state is developing right now, it's going to force a lot of people and a lot of, you know, business owners to look at it and be like there we need to rethink on how we do our payroll because you know like we talked about earlier if this minimum wage goes up to fifteen dollars an hour it's going to force like a lot of consideration into that hopefully it doesn't force any you know layoffs or anything like that but hopefully it breeds inspiration where it's saying like i this is a system and this is the way it's been for how long Let's develop a system that abides by all the rules, all the laws, and still treats everybody equally and fair. But we're going to do a spin on it where everybody benefits. So I think that's kind of what needs to happen in this industry and you know this <coughs> area down here, this region. Otherwise, it's going to be a very scary, scary thing for a lot of people down here. But it's also going to benefit because you know people are ultimately making more money. That means people can go out more. They can put more money back into the economy and start this whole, uh, I guess, trickle-down theory is what it would be called. One more just question, because the basis of this whole conversation, which is the sharing of the the tips with Mm -hmm. the whole 
with the whole thing. Do you think that's a better conversation to start if everybody made the same money? Does that make sense? Is it, is it, does it make sense, more of a sense, if you go, hey, cooks make eight an hour, servers make eight an hour. Here comes money, let's split it evenly. I want the easiest job on the floor or in the back then. If everybody makes eight dollars, I want the easiest job. And I'm yeah. not selling yeah. nothing. Got it. I feel like it's yeah. harder to have the conversation yeah. from that point because that's so hypothetical. It's like saying, no, but no, but the, like the, the reason I say uh, hypothetical, which is I think it's harder to say if you make two if you're making two or five dollars an hour and the cooks are making twelve or fifteen, um, and then they go, Now we're splitting the tips. I that's that's how it works in the UK. When mm-hmm. I worked in a pub in the UK, everybody gets the same hourly wage. Mm-hmm. See, I don't. Well, well, let me. Well, tell, let's talk about somebody who's living in a place where everyone made the yeah. same hourly wage, and you did, did you, and you got tips, or you didn't get. I tips, mean, people or? who'd worked there longer, or people who had different qualifications. Mm-hmm. Actually, in that case, the people in the kitchen earn more than the people in the front of house. Mm-hmm. We were the easiest people to replace, and we were the you know. The, the least yeah. We're all going to $15 an hour, and that's minimum wage. I'll go work at a dollar store. Yeah. Much easier than working on the floor getting crushed every night. I don't right? like. I don't agree with that. Like, I believe the front of house definitely deserves the compensation that they're putting in. Because ultimately, you're not just a server. You're not just a salesperson. You carry a book with you. If people are going to this restaurant, it's because they had a great experience with that server and they're going back because of that server. So realistically, every server holds a value of return customers, which then if you do the breakdown, you can put a dollar amount too. So you're then worth that. And if you keep getting these return customers and, you know, these open table notes, um, requests, you know, this person, you're valuable to that company. There's standardization in recipes, there's recipe books, there's guidelines, there's plating procedures and everything. You're able to train people to do these things. You can't train personality. You can't train, um, I guess, that connection that you can form with people. You know, while you require a lot of talent back in the kitchen and that's what you look for in an employee, you also look for that X factor as far as your employees and your servers and your front of house. Everybody that touches a table needs to have their own different qualifications. So Different skill set is what I said in the beginning. You know, yeah. if you pay everybody the same, you're saying there's no different skills. You know, if you pay people, and every industry does it, right? Everybody gets a little more, a little less. You, you know, you got a guy making 100 grand, you got a guy making, it's their skill set, it's what they're worth to the company, right? So if you say everybody's worth this much, I think. Yeah, and I'm not, and I'm not saying pay everyone yeah. the same money. I'm saying, would it soften the blow of them taking your tips and spreading it out if you were well, making? Well, started than, at ten dollars an hour, yeah. and then they said, so we brought in three hundred and forty dollars tonight in tips, and we're going to split it up between mm-hmm. the eighteen of you. That would, but like I said, in general, you just go look at a dollar store. <laughs> well, no, I would. I said that you, you know, talent will go where there's most reward. Yeah. So that the most talented cooks and chefs and the most talented front of the house people will go where they <laughs> will be rewarded the best. You, you know, whether it's a management position or whether it's a waiter job at yeah. uh, you, you know a place that makes makes more money. That's you know yeah. that's what you do in your profession, right? You, you you build a career and make the most money, and hopefully have some passion and enjoy it along the way, <laughs> right? Enjoy it. I think that's a good note to end on. Yeah. Awesome. I'm just going to have to do the, uh, the random clicks. Alright. It just helps me edit out the